So, a married guy, a single guy, and a guy in a relationship sit down at a table to talk relationships. It's not a joke. It's what's actually happening on Born <laughs> to Rain today. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. This is Born to Rain. We're glad to have you guys with us. Um, I've got Jeremiah with me. As always. As always, except when he's studying for CPA exams, of course. Yeah. Has there ever ever been an episode where Jeremiah's not in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There have been okay. a few. Yeah. He, he, he left me hanging a few times. Uh, well, I had to do it. <laughs> Tim's good at doing it by himself now, so we can start a radio show, you know? Yeah, maybe. Probably not, though. <laughs> But on the other side, on my left hand here, I've got David Dazon from Kicking It Around Podcast. Hey, everybody. He's our good, longtime friend. We, we both have podcasts, and we've been talking for a little while about, hey, we should, we should do a crossover. So today, we've got Born to Rain doing a Kicking It Around Podcast with uh, David. And then if you go over to the Kicking It Around Podcast, we'll have a second episode uh, with David to extend this conversation that we have uh, here today. But um, based on consensus, yep. we're talking relationships, and specifically from a guy's perspective. Yeah, let's just leave um, that out there from a guy's perspective. Yes. But, but throw it out there. <laughs> not, not that our the, the fair sex can't um, glean anything from this, but yep. I would say this is definitely for um, – the young men. In, I would in actually or the old men. encourage them to listen still. Yeah. Yeah. You might learn something about the man's perspective that you didn't know before. And I think that's a valuable thing. You got to know what those men think. They're ravenous monsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're strange creatures. It's funny. I saw, I saw a video on Facebook just the other day that the person was like, uh, it was a girl and she's like, girl, guys, you say girls are confusing. We think guys are confusing. <laughs> so if, if you have a room full of uh, guys and girls, you can be sure that nobody has any clue what's going on in the other person's head. Like right. everybody's confused about everything. So uh, it's it's beneficial to have conversations about uh, relationships while also steering it in a very Christ honoring, uh, Christ glorifying way. That whatever relationship you have, whether it's a um, friendship. Of whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, um, that all of it should be pointing and glorifying God in mm-hmm. all ac- in all aspects and all attributes. Um, so, I think what we we're first talking about, though, is why why relationships are a good thing, mm-hmm. right? So, so you, Jeremiah, kind of threw it out there. Was like, um, do you want to be in a relationship? If the answer is yes, then that's a good thing. That shouldn't be yeah, a, yeah. enjoy your single years while you can thing, right? You know, right. it's like, it's a it's a good thing to desire that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Sing- singleness isn't a gift, celibacy is. Right. Mm. And if you're, I, I think we have a few books, maybe a couple church cultures, non-denominational, denominational cultures to blame for the whole uh, be content while you're single. In reality, what they're telling you to do is fight God's design. It's like latent transgenderism. And you have to fight God's design that he put into you. He put into you, I want to get married, I want to have kids. And they're telling you to ignore that. And that's unhealthy, I believe. Uh, of course, there's a little bit of truth to it where if you're, if you're idolizing it or whatever, then you're in trouble. But... Yeah, it's a good place to start is, is the whole singleness, enjoy your single years thing. And I would I always like to throw in there, uh, not, a, not enough people, um, I, I think, I've only heard it said by one person, uh, talk about natural theology when it comes to marriage and relationships. Now, can you define natural theology? Uh, that's God revealing himself in nature. And I think... Uh, in today, in today's America, people are getting married in their in their into their thirties, and that's uh, that's pretty old to get married. When natural theology tells us that men and women are at their sexual peaks at about twenty years of age. Yeah. So God reveals to us through nature that we need to be getting married around that time, and it's it's kind of hard to not get. I got married when I was twenty one, maybe, and. Uh, 
Oh, my phone makes a weird buzzing noise. This, <laughs> but it was hard. It was weird, and I like to throw that out there for the whole like enjoy your singleness. Go out and have go out and do whatever you want. Well, I think if we're if we're commanded to be fruitful, multiply. There does there comes a point where you're supposed to be. Fruit is expected at a certain point, um, but a tree, a sapling, is not going to bear fruit in its first year, and right. so you don't want you don't want to rush to that that point. But you also want to get to this point where okay, the tree is mature. Why is it not bearing fruit? You know what, what what's going on here? Uh, why why is it is it holding back? Is it afraid? Is it timid? Um, you know what what goes into that? Um, and, and when we when we look and evaluate why we're holding back from relationships, it, I think it is, there, there's a lot that goes into, oh, just be content in your single years. You know? mm-hmm. And to say that you're not supposed to be content, it, that's not what we're saying at all, right? Because we want to say, you know, Paul says, I've, I've learned to live in all things, to be content yeah. in all things. Um, whatever the situation that you're in now, you can be content in the situation, yet still look and have a desire towards an end goal. That, uh, my life has my life has a purpose. I'm moving towards something else. Uh, so it's one thing to say uh, being content in your singleness is not to say, um, "Oh, I don't want to get married anymore." Therefore, now I'm ready to get married. It's a this is the season that I'm in, and when that time comes, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. Is, mm-hmm. is the content because because if you're not ready to be content in all things in all places at yeah. all times. You're not going to be content in a marriage. You're not going to be content in a, a dating relationship. You're not going to right. be content in a, in a courtship. So you have to be ready to... Uh, I think that's absolutely right. I think where maybe we've gone wrong as a people is we teach that being content means you flatten all circumstantial differences. Paul says, I'm, I'm content in all circumstances. I'm, right. I'm, he said at one point, I was full of sorrow yet joyful. I think what we're taught today is that when you're content... That means you don't recognize the difference between circumstances. So being content in your singleness means you think singleness is good. Right. You can think singleness is bad and be content in it. Yeah. You can you can also idolize singleness by just not wanting to be in a relationship and yeah, right. like having that mindset of I'm I'm single and I'm I'm happy I'm happy like you that's really self centered. Mm-hmm. Thinking that way mm-hmm. is that I'm I'm happy this way single, but you know if if you struggle with like say lust, that's not a good thing. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> yep. Well, well, and how many guys you know? Uh, Pastor Doug Wilson always says you know you, you get the guy that goes, I think I'm I think I'm uh, I've got the gift of celibacy or the gift of singleness. And he goes, Well, do you struggle with lust? And he goes. Yeah, then you don't have that. <laughs> yeah. uh, scratch, scratch that off your list. Um, Check. Was it, or just the simplest terms. Do you want to be married? Do you want to be in a relationship? If the answer is yes, then I would say you're, you, can, you can scratch the, the gift of singleness off, off of your yeah. list. Or if you struggle with lust and porn and all this stuff, yet you don't want to be married, you still have the duty to get married. Yeah. Essentially, that's... Yeah. Because the Bible this is where you have First uh, Thessalonians four that comes into it, um, where it says, uh, "For this is the will of God." First uh, Thessalonians four three says, "For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor." Uh, and it's it's an interesting when you look into the study where where it talks about. Uh, Verse four: Each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel. A lot of people take that to mean um, that uh, a, a man or an individual needs to learn how to have self-control, right? Um, but when it, the, the word that's actually used there for possess his own vessel is to acquire a vessel, and so when, when it's talking about um, this is the will of God for you that you would abstain from fornication, that you should learn how to acquire. A vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust, verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. So you, now you have this, okay, 
this is the will of God that you abstain from this immorality. Now go find yourself a wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that you don't um, fall into the sin, so that you don't fall into the lust like the like the Gentiles do. Um, so it, it's built in there. Uh, where if you read if you read that wrong and talk about uh, how to possess your own vessel as being your own body, you read this complete. It, it changes the whole meaning <laughs> it of, the, of the text. Yeah. Um, it basically tells you that you're not supposed to get married, that you're supposed to suffer, um, suffer from those things by yourself. Um, when we look at the creation account and know that the only thing that God said in all of creation that was not good was for the man to be alone. And so when, when we look at that uh, creation order, like you were saying, um, that creation order then becomes necessary to say look this is good don't don't fall into this sin learn how to acquire that that vessel um, learn how to acquire that wife go find yourself a wife is mm-hmm. really what paul's saying here right um, and and if you if you read it wrong if you read that that passage wrongly you end up coming to the wrong conclusion uh, it's kind of hard to read it wrong though don't you think it kind of seems obvious yeah it's probably some alternate intentions and reading it that way. Yeah. Well, and and the thought that you have to drive every single lustful thought out of your head before you're qualified for marriage. Right. Yeah. Is no, in in our confession, me and Tim's, the Westminster confession says that marriage has three purposes to quench lust, to, uh, be a help to each other for companionship and to, uh, produce holy seed to produce children. Mm hmm. So it, it's in there. Like the mar- one of the purposes of marriage is to help quell your lust, but there is a certain aspect uh, where I, I say that you're. A lot of people tend to think, okay, so I get married and it literally solves all my problems. In a lot of ways, it puts your problems under a magnifying glass. It puts your problems on 10x on HD. Four K. Yeah, and then you're like, oh snap! I didn't. I didn't even realize. So there's some ways in which if you, let's say, for example, I'm just going to get pretty deep here, all right? Um, if you're into pornography and the whole, uh, and you get sexually aroused by the strange, um, just like the whole, how Proverbs says, water eaten in secret is sweet and bread, stolen bread is good to eat. If, if that if the only thing that really turns you on is like like the fornication is what turns you on then when you get into marriage you're gonna struggle you're gonna be like wait I'm, I'm in a good sanctified relationship but I'm struggling sexually because I was so used to the sweetened water because it was stolen that now normal water doesn't taste like anything to me so Faith, faithfulness no longer tastes right right mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of Especially, and that needs to be said in our culture, that a lot of us have seared consciences. I was That's what First Thessalonians continues right. on talking about later on, um, is those who have, who have a seared conscience before God right? Um, it, it would, in those things. It would be awesome not to have to address that stuff, but that's kind of, a lot of men are like, okay, I'm addicted to porn, I just have to make it to marriage. Well, you actually got to you got to pray that the Holy Spirit will, will transform your mind because yeah. while marriage will help, you need to be able to, like... It's not a magic bullet. Yeah, it's <laughs> not. It's, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit, and a wife does help a lot. But I was, And I was graced enough to not have to deal with the addictions that I think 99% of, like 95% of men have to deal with today. Yeah. The Holy Spirit kept me from that, and I think it's a lot of the reasons because I got married young. But I've talked to uh, plenty of people who have lots of problems. So <clears throat> I don't remember why I brought that up. But <laughs> Well, if we shift it, if we just shift, okay, so that, that helps. We realize it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't fix all of the problems. Right. But it definitely, it's a push in the right direction. Yeah. Um, what do we say to the, the, the single guys? Uh, who who are uh, afraid to okay maybe afraid of rejection you know you don't mm-hmm. you don't want to step out um, this is a you know kind of conversations that I feel David attacked I, right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you say that David <laughs> um, 
and maybe David, you you'd have a better way to ask ask the question. Um, but when, when you deal with that, um, what what does it take to um, make that first step? You know, I'm in that. I'm kind of a, a few steps down that road. Well, uh, I'd say first of all, get over yourself, hmm. and then uh, <laughs> as a Christian, you need to remember that as a man, you need to be a leader. You don't have, don't wait. Like if you like someone, ask them out. Like don't wait for them to ask you out. That's not how that relationship is supposed to work. And don't, don't leave the little paper in front of them with the, do, yeah. you, do you like do me you like circle? Me? Yes or no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's not taking and initiative they write either. You. Yeah. <laughs> they write what? You. You. <laughs> Not just no, but you know. <laughs> I would say be upfront with your intentions to the single dudes. Like just, well, when I met my wife, when we, when I told her I liked her, finally after like nine months, because I was a little bit, I was a little bit scared. I told her I like you, and where I come from, that means I could see myself marrying you. Like that is, I'm not not where I come. Did from. you say that? Did you tell her that? <laughs> yeah, I told her okay. that. Okay, all right. And she was, I was 17. She was 15, I think. And she was like, "Cool." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Because I, my dad, my dad has always told me like, you know, just be upfront. And so I was probably a little bit too much so, and she <laughs> did. It didn't scare her away. So maybe not. Don't be as upfront as me. Because I, I tend to, people know me as like an overly upfront person. What? But no. <laughs> but like, don't hide your intentions. Don't 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 let her think that you're. She's getting into a casual dating relationship. Right. Right. Be intentional. Yeah. Like, make sure she knows that you're you have marriage on the brain, but don't freak her out with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't need to be getting married as soon as you start dating. But she needs to know that you're not dating to... Pass the time. Yeah, exactly. Waste time. Or waste the money. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, at any time you don't want to marry me, just tell me because these dates are added up. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. <laughs> we can't even split it 50-50. <laughs> Equality. <laughs> yeah. We're not egalitarian. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, because that when, when you get down to the... Um, the confusing aspects of a relationship. Everybody's trying to figure out, and are we, everybody reads into the other person's, you know, what, what the person says, you know, guys tend to criticize girls for overthinking things, but we overthink things just as much, just in different oh, yeah. ways. Um, and so I think it, yeah. when, when you boil down the way a guy thinks he's overthinking, um, is actually, in a lot of ways, I think, ends up being an abdication of, of responsibility and authority rather than, okay, think, evaluate, act. You think, evaluate, think, evaluate, think, evaluate, and you get yourself into you're this, stuck. this cycle. Um, and then whether you're in a relationship, whether you're married, whether you're looking to, to take that first step with, with a young lady, you end up going, you know, you step Oh, reevaluate. Step, reevaluate. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And then nothing ever ends up happening, and you're you're you end up abdicating that 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 idea um, or, or the the initiative then to the young lady, which then puts her at risk. And when we right. look at the Garden of Eden, what happened in the Garden of Eden was that the when the the authority was abdicated, it put the woman at risk. And the serpent came in and undercut her. Right. Um, and not to say that that's anything deceptive about, you know, waiting and evaluating, even developing a friendship prior to uh, getting into a relationship. But I should do that. Um, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a cautious point where even though you're evaluating things, who's taking the brunt of the difficulty towards the relationship? You shouldn't be having to put out, put yourself out there, uh, and go. You know, do you like me? Yes or no. When you when you put that out there, you're you're kind of you put the awkward difficulty on on the the other person, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of taking responsibility, yeah, saying, look, be being vulnerable. Look, I like you. Um, 
do you like me back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and here, here's where I'm going. Do you want to come with me? You know, in in life, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's where you, that's where you set yourself up for success as a man. Uh, but if we back it up there, when you're talking about the some of the struggles, even not in the the lust category, um, if a man's not taking responsibility in other areas of his life, it's going to be really really hard to take responsibility for um, a successful relationship. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. Uh, so when we get into uh, how can a, how can a young man, let's say, no prospects at this point, you're not in a relationship at all, maybe a 15, 16-year-old who might be listening to this, uh-huh. uh, you know, even 25, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, you know, yeah. whoever's listening to this, okay, there's, there's nobody on the horizon. What am I doing now to prepare myself for for a relationship? What what are those? Um, obviously, you got married really young, but what, what do you look back um, on your life and say, uh, this is this this was helpful for me to prepare myself for that? Um, There's a couple of things it, I did good. There's one regret I can think of. A couple of things I did good was I just focused on my schoolwork, and uh, I I understood that at 15, 16, that I could be married in three, two years. I didn't, I got married at 21, but uh, I understood that I was working towards something that was imminent, really, when it came down to it. I had a good understanding of time. So get it in your mind that just because you're 15 and you're young, if you want to get married, you can start working at that now through your grades, through your schoolwork, go get a job. Uh, Stop talking back to your mom. Like, start treating your mom with respect. Uh, there's there's certain things that you can start doing now to to kind of work towards it. But also, don't don't emanate the eschaton. Don't make it a lot of. Don't try to make something what it's not. If there's some girl that you like or whatever, and you're 15, just leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, just uh, just leave it because that's where mistakes are made or when you try to you you try to create your ideal out of your current situation mm-hmm. and i can tell you very rarely is that ever going <laughs> is that ever going to happen like when you're in high school so it has happened it happened to me i found we found you know we found each other in high school like i was at the very end she was like halfway through but so i'm not like technically against high school relationships i think they can work but I would say you married your high school sweetheart. Yeah, I did. To eliminate any confusion. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, But we were different. We were both, we were very focused on schoolwork. We were both ahead in our college credits. We were both, uh, I was working full time. Like we were, we were working towards the maturity that we knew we needed to get to. We weren't uh, trying to create something out of nothing. (laughs) We're not God. So, uh, to the young man, I would say work hard and just kind of don't try to create something out of nothing because that's when you're going to make a mistake when you try to take this girl who's eh, mild, mildly godly but super attractive and you're going to try to create this relationship that isn't there and you're going to make mistakes. One of the best audio resources that I can point anybody to in terms of in this category um, is uh, – it's a sermon by Eric Ludi um, called Made Excellent for Marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think he goes through, I think it's 12 or 13 things that he, go, he, would, uh, he recommends to his, his son. Like when he started his kid at six years old uh, and was said, here's these 12 principles uh, for how you as a, as a six-year-old can prepare yourself for being what he called uh, a heroic little lover. Um, he's like, this, is, this at six years old is how I'm training my kid uh, to grow up to be a good godly husband. Um, and it was, a, it was a really well-rounded um, uh, sermon. But so if you go to, I think it's ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R, gosh, Ellerslie, E-L-L-E-R. L-Y. Dude, that sounds, I'm going to try. Yeah. Ellerslie. Ellerslie. It's named after um, the estate of William Wallace. So, oh, 
I think people will get it. <laughs> or if you search Eric Ludi. Um, you know what else? It, if you if you guys are looking for more resources, the Love Song series by Tommy Nelson. Have you ever heard it? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, you should listen to it. He, he goes through, and I listened to this a long time ago, so if you listen to it, he says something weird, don't blame me, okay? <laughs> but he goes through the Song of Solomon and exposits it. And it's one of the only expo- expositions of the Song of Solomon that you'll ever <laughs> that you'll ever see. Mm. It's super good. It's super interesting. I think I I think my mom and dad had me listen to that. Like every single time we'd go on a road trip, they'd put on the entire thing. So I listened to that quite a few times growing up, and okay. it was excellent. And it's 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 intriguing. Like you're gonna listen to it. You're going to turn on, and three sermons later, you're going to be like, I can't stop. Like, That's, that's me with uh, with Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg. Oh, really? Yeah, you're just like, I just need another rock and roll illustration. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to Alistair Begg a uh, lot, a lot. Yeah. So, David, anything that you, um, in this, as we're kind of discussing, you know, what, what are some of those things that you're, you're seeing here you want? law about any yeah thoughts. so um or kick around some some thoughts kick, kick around some thoughts <laughs> uh, like what jeremiah was alluding to like when you're in a relationship it's it's a lot easier if you're friends first because you know each other and um you know even if you get into fights it's not going to catch you by surprise like you know how to handle it because you know each other and and that just makes it a lot easier but um, I guess as a single dude, I would I would encourage, I guess whoever's listening to this episode, um, to seek God. Like I know right now in this year, it, um, like God's shown me a lot, like a lot, a lot, and it's been good. And it's been like a valley, but knowing that He's there. Like how in Psalms He says, "Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know You're with me." Basically, is what it says. It's been that kind of year for me, like walking through that valley and knowing God's there. And he'll reveal things to you. If you ask him for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. If you ask him to reveal things to you, he will reveal those things to you if you seek him. Mm-hmm. And so it's been good. It's been a good year. Um, what else? So yeah, as a single dude, like take this time to, to get to know God more. And to develop into the godly man you need to be for your for not just for your sake, but for your wife, your future wife's sake as well. So to, to be made excellent for marriage. Yes. That, yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, Jeremiah, you were talking, um, you posted something on Facebook about parenting being a uh, like water on an electrical <laughs> fire. Like it, yeah. it jump starts the, the <laughs> sanctification process. Marriage does the same thing. Yeah. Um, in, marriage in, is in like different ways. Marriage is like getting the electrical fire started. And then when you have a kid, it's like pouring water on it. Yeah. And the electrical fire is sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, David, what would, as you say, the, in this year being kind of a, a tougher year, what do you think if, if you're just looking, if you step back, and look at the church as a whole. Um, oh man! Okay. What what could what could be better? How could we better help single men um, in that preparation? What what do you think um, it, are practical helps um, that, that could be done uh, in, in prepping for those relationships? Uh, so, as a leader, um, I am a leader in, in our young adults group now. Um, just holding them accountable. Is a major thing, um, and just having like small groups or like get-togethers and like asking them how they're doing. How can we help you in your singleness right now? Um, and just praying for them. Prayer is a big is a is a powerful weapon for sure. Um, and and just knowing where they're at and how and and helping them see God better. I would say, uh, make men manly again. Yes. Uh, if I think we have this tendency for all the men to gather together and uh, try to help each other as victims, like you're, 
obviously there's a place for it. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but there needs to be a certain aspect of like, buck up, buddy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, and I think. So are you advocating for putting No Shave November on the church calendar? Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect introduction to Advent. (laughs) Get your Advent beard ready. Yeah, no, I can't even grow one. But no, I'm saying like, when you restore that masculinity back to men, you know what's going to happen is they're going to gain gravitas and they're not going to be sad in their singleness anymore because, look guys, women start to gravitate around you once you once you gain that back. Women like that. It's like a mosquito to a light. And I think then singleness wouldn't be such an issue. And I think that men would be more straightforward with women. I think men would be less annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think... And to clarify, and I think you would agree with this, the, that, that gravitas and saying that women will come around you is not what the world says. You know, when you put on no. Old Spice and you have 40 yeah. bikini-clad <laughs> girls come at no. you. Know, yes, fall, this is why I need you. It's, the, it's, it's gravitas is, is different. Right. It, it's being a different kind of man. It, mm-hmm. It's being the man who, um, not just women, but men, old, young, Older women, younger women look to that person and go, I respect that person. He knows what he's doing. Um, that's a, if he's leading other people, other people want to follow that kind of man because not just, not just because he's good looking and charismatic and, you know, has all the nicest clothes. It's because he understands his role in the world as a man, has a vision for where he's going and walks there confidently and, and people like People gravitate, to use that same term, mm-hmm. people gravitate towards somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. You know, I, I think I look back at like some of my college days where, you know, uh, you're in the class and I'm the one who's paying attention in class, taking notes in class. Who's, who are the people going to come to after class when they're confused on something? They're either going to go to the teacher or they're going to go to the student who understood what the, the teacher was talking about. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go to the guy who was sleeping through class all the time right there's there's your gravitas your gravitas looks different because you look and act different you yeah. you apply yourself differently um and so then i think to to then take that all the way all the way through is that your your gravitas then attracts the right kind of people because the mission that you're on will attract people that will help you exactly i think that's the number one mistake that single men make is what you just said was the mission you're on. A lot of men think, I mean, I need to find a woman and make her my mission. Mm-hmm. Women don't like that. Right. Woman, a woman wants a man with a mission so that she can help him accomplish it. Adam had a mission, take dominion, and he gave Eve to Adam to help him accomplish that. If Adam would have like turned to Eve and been like, wow, like... Well, okay. <laughs> he, he kind of did. Yeah, yes, yeah, he did. Whoa, man. Okay, so, but it's kind of like in First Corinthians 11 when he says, God did not make man for the woman, but made woman for the man. It's like the classic old, uh, at the end of a movie, when the man's like staring off into the sunset, he just accomplished something, and the woman's like on his arm, like looking up at him, just like gazing at him. That's that's kind of the way the Bible presents men and women. Mm-hmm. The man staring off into the distance towards his future, towards his goals, towards his mission. And the woman is oriented towards the man as his helper. And uh, I think when men lose that, they turn towards the woman and try to make her his mission. And yeah. it's such a turnoff for women. And I think a lot of single men are like, in, it, in some way, she will become your mission at some point because your goal will be to get married. So you're going to kind of focus like... But well, the, the Paul also says in First Corinthians that to get married is to think about worldly things because you have the, you know, your, your attentions become divided. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think one of those things I think of how many meme pages right now tease the Christian meme pages. I, I, it's it cracks me up when I look at it, but they they tease the young 
boys for the best way that they have in youth group and even young adulthood to impress the girls is to carry as many chairs or a whole couch. Right? Like every everybody everybody knows it. It's just that like unspoken thing in in, in the church. Like the boys carry as many you still chairs. Do that as they young adults, David. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> He's like, you're, call, you're really calling me out. <laughs> uh, but I think that's that's one of those like this is such a clear um, differentiation of um, masculinity versus femininity, femininity, um, that the guy looks at that and goes, ooh, look, I can do this. I, I need to be strong. It's, it's my responsibility to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to knock that at all. And I think it, it's, it's those, one of those things that the problem is we've, we've downgraded what it means to be a man and to look manly amongst other people mm-hmm. down to who can carry the most chairs. Right. Um, it's, it's a step in the right direction, and it's something that should actually be cultivated. You should not look at church, you know, after youth group. You know, if you go into the youth group and look around, um, it should not be mostly girls putting the chairs away. Yeah. That, that's something where you've got an inverted order. Um, but teaching the, teaching the boys um, to not be squirrely. <laughs> uh, yes, pick up the chairs, carry as many as you can. You're not doing it. You're not yelling and, uh, <laughs> you know, draw as much attention to yourself as you can so that, you know, um, the, the cute girl across the, across the room notices that you're carrying eight chairs instead of Billy over here who's just carrying four. Um, <laughs> Billy, what a nerd. But, but what, can, can, can a boy learn how to carry the chairs, carry more chairs than anybody else, but then also... Um, help in the the nursery when the little babies are crying mm-hmm. can he um articulate in small group what a verse is talking about can, can when the when the pastor is speaking does he take detailed notes is he thinking through these things can he answer questions can he um say you know when, when people are disagreeing you know even after you know a- after young adults group or after youth group going um where do we want to go to eat can can the guy can can that guy not just take the initiative to stack the chairs, but then to also turn around, sweat pouring down his face, go, all right, we're going to Old Chicago tonight, <laughs> you know, and and keep keep that uh, that direction going that that he's the he's the leader, whether he's tired or not, whether he's lifting more chairs than anybody else or not. Like if we're gonna cultivate men to be manly, uh, you shouldn't tease them over their actual manliness. Right. You know, it, you bring to light the, the deficiencies in a friendly, loving way, um, but also call them to account when they're, when they're slacking off, but also mm-hmm. to encourage them, um, give them the respect, you know, cause when it, we know that men thrive on respect. Right. Uh, if a man is doing something well, notice it, point it out, encourage them in it. Um, and, and if, if somebody takes the leadership, <clears throat> one of the, one of the things that men tend to run into is that uh, butting heads, right? Right. This guy wants to go to Old Chicago. This guy wants to go to Red Robin, right? You know, now now we have to butt heads. Now we have to figure out um, who's the more manly to persuade everybody else. You know, there there comes a point where it's like, okay, who who suggested the first thing first? You know, like right. okay, who cares? It's okay. It's okay to follow. Um, and right. we don't want to be, we don't want to get to such a point where we're macho men that yeah. it's our way or the highway. And anybody who doesn't agree with us is stupid. Um, so to young men, I would say like, if you are, <coughs> I, I, Ben Merkel, I think they, I think it was taken off of YouTube, which is just a shame, but Ben Merkel preached a sermon or maybe it was a lecture about young men mm-hmm. and it was really good. And it's, he said, there's, he's talking to a bunch of pastors. He's like, there's always that, that young man in your church who just kind of irks you. Like he, he'll, he'll have like quippy things to say that you just kind of pause. You're like, crap, what do I say to that? Like every pastor has to deal with those kinds of young men. And he's like, but let's say you get all the young men in the church and you're going to go onto a college campus and you're going to argue with atheists. All of a sudden you're really glad that he's on your side. <laughs> the, like those are the. And Ben Merkel essentially said, those are the young men we need to pick out and raise up to be pastors, to be leaders, because those are the men the church needs. And 
So to the young men, if you are the person like me who was known for just uh, pretty much arguing all the time or just just speaking up, sometimes inappropriately, uh, then learn how to use that in an appropriate manner. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum where you don't ever want to disagree with anybody, you don't ever want to challenge anybody, you don't ever want to think for yourself, uh, you need to you need to sharpen your sword a little bit. I think because when a woman, I don't know if she's going to be thinking this, but maybe subconsciously, maybe maybe spiritually, it's kind of built into her. If if David's willing to, in small group, say, I don't think that verse, in a respectful manner, be like, I see what you're saying, but I disagree because of this. If David's willing to stand up for scripture, then he's willing to stand up for her. She doesn't want a man who's not willing to challenge or be challenged because then when push comes to shove, when you're married, she knows you're just going to crumble. And then same thing. But if you're a bulldog and you can't let somebody make a decision to go to old Chicago instead of uh, Red Robin, then then what you're doing is you're Barney Fifing and you're that's that's it's really the opposite of masculinity. Like like a masculine man is like the the calm Man who's just kind of like the consistent. Uh, what's that guy? Uh, three hundred, like the mate, the leader of three hundred. Leonidas. Leonidas, yeah, King Leonidas. That guy was dope, but he like didn't raise his voice almost the entire time, unless he was like kicking somebody into a cliff or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that I think young men need to watch out for both of those ends of the spectrum, and I would actually say that both of those ends of the spectrum are actually peak femininity. And in the middle is is where Jesus is. That's that's being a real man. It's a it's a challenging world we live in. <laughs> yes, where where being a man is not popular. Yeah, um, being uh oh my gosh, Holly just sent me this cutest picture of August. Speaking of raising godly men, yeah. Here, you want to look at it real quick? Let's see it. Oh man, isn't that so cute? Such an adorable little kiddo. Okay, but I kind of want to talk about. Relate in the relationship. In the relationship, you're the expert. I've only, you're the married one. <laughs> you're uh, the only one who has done it completely successfully. So <laughs> I think. Okay, here's my advice, and this might be controversial, but here's my advice for when you get into a relationship. Somebody actually asked me. She's like, "Okay, so what's your marriage advice?" I mean, yeah, give me all your advice right now. She's like, she's one of Holly's best friends, and she was like, "Guys, download me." And the first thing I said was argue. $75 an hour. <laughs> I'm a relationship consultant. If you want my advice, I'll send you the bill. Yeah, go to makelovereallc.com and maybe we can set up an appointment. <laughs> no, but she, but I, the first thing I said was um, argue. When you're in the relationship, don't ignore red flags. Uh, as a matter of fact, you might want to attack those a little bit more aggressively before you're married rather than after you're married. Uh, if if she or he does something that bothers you, say it. If if you, there's something, a topic that you think might cause a collision in the future, address it. I think the best thing that I did was not, I wasn't like bulldogging it, but almost every single time I felt like we would have a problem or thought we had a problem, I didn't feel it. Uh, I would. <laughs> I don't have any feelings. What are you talking about? <laughs> I would. I would address it, and I'd be like, okay, so. Like what's, what are we thinking here? And the whole time I was kind of, it was, it was marriage was on the table. And it was kind of like, if, if we don't agree, like what are our deal breakers and how is this going to work in the future? Like that's what our relationship was about. And if we disagreed on something, I was like, okay, so how's this going to work out in marriage? And can we still get married and disagree on this? And, but it was really nice because we learned how to fight with each other successfully before we got married. And that was really nice because now we can argue very successfully. Like mar- marriage isn't about avoiding arguments. It's about how to fight successfully. Like you need, you need to be able to be good at it. And that was the best thing that I could have done. So that's my advice. <clears throat> if you're in a dating relationship, if you're not, when you get into one, make sure you argue as much as you can <laughs> about the important topics. Not argue, even just discussions. Rarely do we argue. It's mostly just discussions 
or did we argue them in? And then did you find out that it's possible to argue about things you agree on? Yep. Especially as a man. Because you, because you, you, she just will go over your head sometimes. Like she'll say something and you, and you just have it in your mind that that's exactly not what she said. Like assumptions, you know what to say about assumptions, right? Yep. <laughs> I think uh, it's a, one of the huge problems with pastors nowadays is uh, presumption. A presumptuous pastor is not going to be a good pastor if he's just operating off covert contracts that he's presumptuously made with his congregants or operating off of assumptions he's made about people in his congregation that kills a ministry. It's like cancer. But men do that with their families <laughs> and, with their, and with their ladies. She'll say or do something and you just make an assumption or a presumption. Don't do it. Just straight up ask her. Like, Sorry, that's what I think. <laughs> Do not worry. The first, the first, the first advice is free. <laughs> Do you want any more relationship advice? What was it? Love, make love real. LLC. Yep. You got that domain registered. And if you go to that website and it's something weird, that was a joke. <laughs> so courting dating. Courting. What do you guys dating. think about that? Because I wish me and Holly did. We kind of did more of a. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could say it was more casual, but it was, obviously it was all about marriage. Adorting? A, a yeah, I don't Dating? know. Dating? But I wish, I wish we would have done more courty, more courtish like mm -hmm. I wish that we were only alone when, we, when I picked her up in the car and took her to a restaurant or whatever and came back to her house. I, I wish that we didn't kiss before marriage. I'll say that. All right. That's what I think. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa. He said the kiss word. <laughs> like, we, like, by all other accounts, people are looking at us and like, how did you do that? Like, that was amazing. But I'm like, I don't think we went far enough. When you look at boundaries, don't think, how far can I go to the line and not cross mm -hmm. it? Think, how far, how pure can I stay before marriage? Like, one, one pastor um, uh, used, an, like that. used an example of uh, that there's a cliff um, and people kept running off of this cliff. Um, and, and dying, getting injured, all of that, you know, falling off this cliff. Mm -hmm. And so they have a town hall meeting and they go, how are we going to fix this, this issue? People keep falling off the cliff. What are we going to do? And, and they decided, well, we're just going to put an ambulance down at the bottom of the cliff um, so that the people, as they fall off, will have an ambulance right there um, and, and they can whisk them off to the hospital in the ambulance. And somebody raises their hand and goes, well, why don't we just put a guardrail at the top of the cliff? And everybody looks at them and goes, that's crazy. Nobody gets to the bottom of the cliff and says, I need a guardrail. They all get down to the bottom of the cliff and say, I need an ambulance. Uh -huh. So they, they elected to not put the guardrail up at the top. And instead they put uh, an ambulance at the bottom after everything's already fallen apart. Where it's like the guy, the guy who's actually thinking ahead, okay, we can prevent people from falling off of the cliff. Uh -huh. um, and that doesn't mean put the guardrail. You know, a lot of people think, okay, let's put the guardrail right at the edge of the cliff. Right. What happens when a little kid at the zoo decides to climb over the guardrail and get into the gorilla enclosure? The gorilla gets shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you have 2020 as a result. Yeah. Nothing's <laughs> been right since Harambe died. <laughs> but to take that back is, yeah, when you, when you put those um, safeguards in without putting yourself into a um, massively over-legalistic um, yeah, think that you know you guys aren't allowed to look. Nope, look look away. No eye contact. Don't look you, at me. You, you can't have eye contact for more than fifteen seconds. Yeah. That's a, a, no, um, you know um, what are those things? Did you know that back um, like in the eighteen hundreds they had this thing called a courtship board? Mm -mm. What is what, <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> so when when um, the settlers would have like you know they they would have their um, their farms you know as a largely farm communities that the young man would go to court the young lady at the uh, at their at the the young lady's home but because the houses were like miles and miles apart sometimes there would be like snow or it would get dark or rainy or whatever and the young man wouldn't be able to go home they would let the couple sleep together but they would put this board right down the middle of the bed. 
That's hilarious. So, so that they couldn't touch each other. <laughs> so they were, so they were like, okay, you can spend the night, but the board is here to keep you guys separated. That is so funny. <laughs> it's like that's pretty great. Some of those random things, or we actually have one of these. Um, that's actually our, helpful because then you know if she snores. Yeah, which is a huge deal breaker. Yeah, right, guys. Everybody knows. <laughs> sleep apnea? Should we get you to do a sleep apnea doctor? Um, but there's also we we have one in our uh, china closet at home. There's this thing called a courtship candle. Ever seen one of those? No. So it's like the, oh, wait, I think I've it's like a normal it's like a normal uh, candle stand, uh -huh. um, but it's it's uh, spiraled, and when the when the young man would come over to the house, uh, basically they would light this candle, and when the candle burned down to the base or to, to the level of the candle, uh, to the level of the, the candle holder um, was when the the date was over. Time to go time, home. Time to go home, buddy. And so basically- yeah, You gotta go home but you can't stay here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> de depending on how, how much the father liked the liked the young man would be how high he would let the candle stick out <laughs> of the, the oh, candle really? holder. That's hilarious. Um, so if he didn't really like the guy, he'd rotate the candle down so that it was just barely sticking out above the- <laughs> He above lights the it five seconds later. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have some of those like really old devices that people would implement that you go, oh yeah, those were guardrails interesting um but it's interesting because those things were even left to the father's discretion the father of the young lady's discretion um to determine how the how the relationship yeah. was gonna yeah. was gonna proceed so that's a good thing to talk about uh is in a relationship how does one lead his girlfriend lady friend's special friend i don't prospect i don't know what you want to call it <laughs> but how does it how does a young man lead her without trying to inadvertently subvert her father's authority. You need to start taking... You need, what? Did you guys talk about this? <laughs> no, no, he he just points it at me. <laughs> you guys, I mean, obviously you need to take the initiatory role. You need to kind of start establishing... And it's in some ways it's unavoidable because of the ontological differences between male and female. But that's a, that's a pretty hefty task, right? Yeah. What do you think, Tim? Yeah. Well, I think specifically is challenge him to a duel. And then, <laughs> we, okay, sorry. We've already well, you don't want to do that if they have younger siblings. <laughs> All right. You had a father who was not as strong as me. Now I'm the father. <laughs> now I'm, the father. Um, I'm not confident enough in my marksmanship to, to challenge anybody <laughs> right now. So, um, but the to to step out, I think. It goes back to what we were talking about, knowing where you want to go as a man. Um, if you're casting the vision, walk along. You're pursuing Christ above all things. Um, and then you, you want to bring her along in this, and you want her father to be looking over her shoulder the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, that you lead, and he can say, is he leading in a safe direction? And right. then you want to be, as a young man, not recognizing that, I'll even just say I. I'm not an expert on the world. I'm not an expert on how relationships work. I'm not an expert on life. I'm not an expert even in my job. Um, so I always want to be humble enough that when somebody offers correction, okay, you're going this direction. Maybe if we made this slight course correction um, would be better to, to glean that wisdom from the older person, but to also be confident to say, okay, here's the course correction. I'm still walking the path. Let me let me take the path, um, and as those course corrections come, you can obviously t use the wisdom. We talked about this several months ago in our uh, "Does Wisdom Discriminate?" Uh, episode. Uh, does a young man have the wisdom to say, "No, I don't. I don't agree with that that advice." Uh, now, then, it, you know, if if a father says, "Okay, I think I think we should be going this direction, this direction," um, if the if the young man ends up disagreeing with it, he then has. He says, I'm going this direction, prayerfully, humbly, faith, full of faith. I'm, doing, I'm going this direction, and I disagree with, with that counsel. Um, now the father is put in a position to say, okay, is that what I would say is a, a godly direction? Is there room in that, or does that become a deal breaker? Mm -hmm. you know, there are some things that would just be obvious as like, no, you're a moron. Get out of here. <laughs> hit, yeah. the, hit the highway. Delete her number from your phone. Right. Others, you know, there's going to be something that okay, okay, yeah, we we can agree to disagree on that. 
you know, there. But it still has to then rest with the the father to end up being the he gets the veto vote. It's not a it's not a um, suitor versus father one vote versus one vote. Um, it's a he his vote counts for two, <laughs> uh, and so when when those heads butt um, for the protection of the young lady, he gets to say. Mm. No, we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. either table that. We'll bring it up later. Either no, uh, or you know, any anywhere in between. Right to to be able to say that. Daughters are given. Uh, Your daughter must be given. Yeah. Like she, however, and that's ideal. And if I ever have a daughter, that's how I'm running things. But in a culture, uh, and Timothy kind of in the book of Timothy, Paul kind of alludes to this that in the in the last days. Uh, people will be forbidding marriage. And I think that, although I believe that was fulfilled in 70 AD, that thematic wickedness that plays its way through history as we slowly conquer the world uh, shows itself. So, for example, today, marriage is now a minority in America for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. So the church's culture, you might you might run into a girl's father who just doesn't esteem marriage highly, who doesn't think his daughter should be married, below the age of 27 or 30. And she needs to focus on her career first. Yeah, of course. She needs to get her PhD and whatever. Like, you need to, in today's culture, you're, it's kind of it's kind of like how we understand the government. You submit to the government in the Lord. If it's not in the Lord, you need to be willing to mm-hmm. uh, resist peacefully and humbly and faithfully. Uh, in today's culture, that's for biblical marriage. <laughs> that's kind of becoming common mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't think you guys should get married, I think you guys should date for 10 more years. Well, don't you care about our fidelity? We, we, want, to, yeah. we want to get married and honor God. And, and my parents always did a great job with that. Yeah. <laughs> my dad is like, get married and live with us. I don't care. And that's, my dad said, your purity means more to me than all the money in the world you could make if you weren't. So I think that's the ideal situation. And in some, there's some subcultures in America, which is like north in the chimney of Idaho. There's a little subculture up there where, you know, you have some ideal situations. Uh, but a lot of the times in in the rest of the nation, if if you're going to hold to biblical fidelity, you might have a, a fight in your hands. Kind of how in Ride, Sally, Ride. I haven't read it, but I've, my mom read it. She loves it. Is Ride, Sally, Ride the one with the sex robots? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one? <laughs> is that yes. the one? But his parents are against him doing something biblical. And I think in, in times of, in cultures like this, people start to forbid to marry this. You kind of end up having to go against your parents in a lot of ways and in moments like this in history. And so I'm just throwing that out there because I <laughs> almost spilled water in your laptop. I'm sorry. Here. Just keep it away from me. Oh, you're more worried about your, oh, you're so godly. He's more worried, he's more worried about his Bible, guys. Um, but yeah, I'm just throwing that out there because uh, there are some circumstances where you might need to uh, get married mm-hmm. anyways and do it the best way that you can. Uh, and, and yeah, take take what you're given. Um, you know, there, there are some situations, you know, first, first generation believer, uh, you know, you're a young man pursuing a young lady who loves the Lord. You love the Lord. Um, you're pursuing her and then find out that her, her parents are complete pagans. Right. Um, that father's not going to have near as much, um, uh, care or enthusiasm, enthusiasm, great word, um, for maintaining a good biblical relationship with good boundaries with, um, you know, healthy premarital, um, discussions and, and counsel. Uh, and so you, you have to kind of roll with that. Who, who then can you bring in as, as that outside looking in wise, older, uh, married couple? Maybe it's the young man's parents. Okay. Maybe what, what if the young man is a first generation believer now, maybe got two young believers with pagan parents, um, who are trying to figure this out. Pastor. If you're in a, if you're in a good, healthy biblical church, um, your pastor and his wife, and hopefully there are plenty of other mature married couples in the church that you can bring alongside you as um, foe parents. These are, you're our adopted parents. You're our spiritual parents uh, mm-hmm. to be able to walk in along those. Um, but all that then goes to still, um, how do we as young men 
display that strength and 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 set those boundaries for ourselves, but also set them for the relationship, but also be willing to ex- accept correction um, and and make those course corrections where necessary. So, David, I have a question for What's you up? since you're since you're the not relationship guy. Yeah. Do you ask? Yeah. Oh. This is actually more... Well, we're moving that way. This is a more relevant question than I thought. That's the whole point of the episode. (laughs) So he's not in a relationship yet. Do you you ask a girl's father for permission to date her before you ask her? In in what what context? Like, would you... Like, do you... uh, I don't even remember what I did. I think I told Holly first. I, I think it's okay but, because like there's kids that godly kids that go to college and their parents aren't there. Right. And they start dating. I think that's fine. I think it's okay too. Sooner but sooner rather than later. I think it, it, yeah, it's Talk more important dad. to get yeah. to get that yeah. parental accountability in sooner rather than later. Yes. Um is it ideal? You know, some of the the way my family was raised and like the ultra courtship model is like the girl shouldn't even know that you like her until you go talk to her dad. And then he kind of goes to her and goes, okay, so what do you think about Joe Schmo over there? And she kind of goes, mm, he's all right. You know, he's, we're good friends. Um, he's like, so what if this is on friends? What, what if he, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if he wanted to come over for dinner um, on Thursday night? And she goes, that might be awkward. He goes, okay. Then he calls. I might pick up my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> then he calls Joe and says, eh, I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. You know, and a good father is already talking with his daughter and kind of knows who she's aware of, you know, who's on her radar uh, in the first place. But yeah, that, that early bringing that accountability in earlier rather than later. Um, it's definitely better. Okay, so I just had a spark go off in my mind from Proverbs 7 that I, You've got too I, many I really want to share. I know. <laughs> going crazy. But this is good advice for both young men and young women. For, so young men. So Proverbs 7, we all know. You know the code. Yeah. She's a P7. You know what that means, right? <laughs> uh-uh. You remember in Proverbs 7, the, the girl who... The, the, adult, the adulteress down at the... the oh, oh, okay. The yeah, whore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like if, you, if there's a girl and she's... You know, you know what I'm saying? You call her a P7. So um, here's what it says about the young man who she victimizes. It says, I perceived among the youths a young man lacking understanding. So the prerequisite for him to be, uh, for him to be taken is him lacking understanding. So as a young man, if you lack understanding, you are at risk of being eaten up by a P7. Yes. And as a godly woman, a young man can lack understanding and have very good direction in his life, you, but you need to see if he's lacking understanding. He might have great parents, be in a great church, be in a great community, but does he have understanding? Because if he doesn't, you run the risk of 10 years down the road, that lack of understanding leaves him vulnerable to the P7 who comes into your church 10 years later and you have a mess in your hands. Mm-hmm. So young men need to have understanding and young men need to pursue it and young ladies need to look for it. But when it comes to the, to the woman, it says she is loud and wayward. Her feet don't stay at home. She seizes them and kisses them. She says, I had to offer sacrifices and today I have paid my vows. So the funny thing is she's claiming to be a Christian. She's like, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've offered my sacrifices. I went to the temple. I went to church. I've, yeah. I've prayed. I've done all this stuff. So young men need to look out for a woman is a young woman who fakes being a Christian. Who, who says, fake piety. Yeah, yeah. Who says like, well, you know, we're both Christians. Like, you know, she's, she's playing you. And, and then when you ask, what's your, what's your favorite book of the Bible? She says, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, gosh. I saw this cute cat meme that had a Bible verse on it once. <laughs> yeah, so, you, so young men need to look out for the, the, fake, the fake Christian woman who claims to have offered her sacrifices. And in the New Covenant... She'd be saying, I just prayed. Because in, in yeah. the New Covenant, sacrifices of praise are the sacrifices that we offer. So she's, she's going to be lifting her hands in worship. She's going to be praying. She's going to be, be serving in the nursery. She's going to be volunteering at every church event. She's, yeah. gonna, she's there. She's um, there. She paid her vow. She offered her sacrifices. And then she comes to you at, at night and says, so hey. I'm a good Christian. What do you want to do about it, essentially? <laughs> <laughs> 
Be careful. <laughs> Make like Joseph and run. run. There you go. All right, David. We've been kicking it around here for about an hour. Yeah. Uh, any any closing thoughts? Uh, sure. As a single guy, I'm speaking to the single people people out there. You you know, girls and guys alike, men and women that are single. Uh, just in this season of your life, just seek the Lord. It's the best thing you could do. It's, he'll give you God. He'll guide you. He'll he'll give you wisdom. He'll impart these things in your life. Um, and serving him really is the best thing you could do. Like as I guess a married guy, Jeremiah, um, you know, when, when you're married, it's good. It's a good thing. And like you've found, you've found the person that you can serve the Lord with, but in, in your singleness, like you don't have to worry about these things, like serve God and, and he'll, he'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. One of one of the the phrases that uh, my parents have used uh, is that they'll say, "You you run as fast as you can towards Christ, and if somebody keeps up, take notice." Yes, uh, I like that. I, I, I've always liked that that picture uh, of uh, yeah. Your goal is Christ, uh, and if somebody comes along that has their goal is Christ just as much as you um, pay attention. Um, yes. And, and be, and be friends first. Cause that it makes yeah. everything so much easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much. So you don't even know if you like her, if you're not friends with her. Yeah. Maybe, well, this has been born to rain. We welcomed in our friend and guests from the kicking it around podcast go check them out because we're going to have another episode coming up from them with us mm-hmm. this is an epic crossover ruin event. their their podcast marvel <laughs> marvel has nothing on us star wars has nothing on us this is the crossover event of 2020 go check out kicking it around podcast you guys are on instagram right yeah yeah so you check out their instagram Facebook kicking it around. You can also email us at kicking it two three two zero at gmail.com. Two three two zero. Kicking it wait, what was it say it again? Kicking it kicking it okay. two three two zero. At gmail.com. At gmail.com. And if any of you single ladies uh, think that David's voice sounds particularly attractive, you could <laughs> send an email to kicking it around at two three two zero at gmail.com. There you have it. <laughs> Thanks guys, we'll catch you next time. Ha! <laughs>